Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's take a look at one thing, very specifically, with a very special guest. But first, as always, we have shout-outs. That's right, we have shout-outs to Aaron, Aaron, Ah, Monsters, Lauren and David, Alicia, Amber, Andrew, April, Seth, Audra, Austin, Autumn, Bill, Bob, Brandon, Brett, Carolyn, Carolyn, Carrie, Christine, Chuck, Cindy, Cole, Dan, Daniel, Dill, Jin, Donald, Dorian, Erie the Cat, Elliot, Erica, Aaron, Ezram, Fran, Harley, Harry, Harvey, Heidi, I, Isabel, J. Mark, Jade, and Noah, Jade, Jaime, Jason, Jeff, and Jeff, Jennifer, Gerald, Jerry, Jim, Joanne, Joe, John, Joshua, Juliana, Carrie, Carrie, Kelly, Kelsey, Kimberly, Kira, Lash, Laura, Laura Ruth O, Lauren Mangano, Lauren McCune, Lawrence, Leo, Lindsay, Loki, Lorelai, M. Caballero, Martin, Matt, Megan, Mickey, Eric, Milo, Nanashi, Nick, Nick, Pablo, Paula, Pedestrian Wolf, Rachel, Reed, Robin, Rosa, Russell, Sarah, Sarah, Sean Bishop, Shelley, Stephen, Sonny, Suzanne, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Tanya, Trey, Veronica, what's that? Will and Wagner or Sean. Thank you all so much for being patrons. I truly do appreciate it. Now, I'm not going to do any paranormal news this episode because I want to get right into it. Like I said at the uh, beginning of this episode, we have something very different, very special. I was lucky enough to be part of a conference call with some other reporters and astrophysicist Dr. Travis Taylor. You might know him from Rocket City Rednecks, but you're definitely going to know him from the new show, the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Now, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch premieres, uh, actually just premiered last night, Tuesday, March 31st, 10 p.m. on the History Channel. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory about The uh, Secret of Skinwalker Ranch first. For the first time ever, the History Channel is gaining full, unprecedented access to one of the most infamous and secretive hotspots of paranormal and UFO-related activities on Earth the Skinwalker Ranch. Now, if you guys don't know the Skinwalker Ranch, I did a full episode about it previously. Definitely check that one out. But this entire episode is also going to be dedicated to it as well without the um, without most of the backstory. I'm going to give you some of the backstory right here, but I definitely recommend that you guys listen to that episode, that full episode I did previously about Skinwalker Ranch for the entire backstory, as much as I knew about it then, um, of Skinwalker Ranch. So they go on to say that anchored by never-before-seen footage of the ranch and what it contains, the series will feature a team of scientists and experts who will conduct a daring and thorough search of the infamous 512-acre property located in Utah's Yunta Basin in an attempt to find out who, what, and why behind more than 200 years of UFO sightings, bizarre animal mutilations, and paranormal-related mysteries. 
Now, I'm not going to continue all of this. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but beginning in the 1950s, Skinwalker Ranch and the area around it has been referred to it as UFO Valley, where numerous anomalies, numerous anomalous events and strange activities have received worldwide media attention. Since then, the area has been the site of decades of study, some clandestinely funded by the government, but in 1996, the property was purchased by billionaire businessman and UFO enthusiast Robert Bigelow, who used it to conduct his own experiments into the study of the ranch. They go on to say that his findings were never shared with the public. Three years ago, the property was sold to a new owner who is now leading this team in a new investigation and for the first time in history, allowing television cameras to document their shocking discoveries. Now, like I said, I'm going to be part of a conference call that you guys are going to hear in just a minute, conference call interview with Dr. Travis Taylor. He is one of a few of the people that are investigating on Skinwalker Ranch, along with Brandon Fugel, who owns it, Bryant Dragon Arnold, and Thomas Winterton. So there's just a few of the people that are going to be on the show. Also, since the uh, interview took place, I did the interview earlier last week, or later last week, late last week. Um, since the interview took place, I've managed to watch the first four episodes of the show. It seems to me like this is going to be a very cool show that is really going to delve scientifically to debunk a lot of the stuff and investigate a lot of the claims. Now, I'm very eager to see where the show is going to go throughout the season, but like I said, from what I've watched so far in the very first four episodes, it's pretty interesting. I'm more than hopeful that they are doing this one right. They aren't just trying to say that everything is real. They're going through and they're scientifically investigating and sometimes debunking things. I'm not going to give away anything. As you're going to hear in this interview, Dr. Travis Taylor definitely did not want to give anything away. He wanted people to tune in to see for it themselves. And I kind of got to respect that. I have no problems with him saying, you know, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have to watch the show to see. So anyhow, um, when you hear me kind of uh, ask questions that weren't my own, those were from other news sources that were on this conference call. I don't want to just include their voices on there. So I'm going to I'm going to ask their questions the way they asked Dr. Travis Taylor. So it's a, it's going to be just me on this interview. But just know there were, I don't know, five, six, seven different news organizations that were on this call that all got to ask questions. We all got to ask them when we wanted to ask a question. We had to type in a code that would alert the uh, the handler that we had a question for Dr. S Dr. Uh, Travis Taylor. Then we would get to ask that question. They would mute our mic and he would get to answer it. So it is a little bit disconnected, but it's a very good interview. There were a lot of good questions. A lot of the people asked a lot of the questions that I wanted to ask. I had a whole list of questions set out to ask them. So I think ultimately I got every one of my questions pretty much answered. Um, pretty much. But um, anyhow, enjoy this very different, uh, very interesting, in my opinion, interview with Dr. Travis Taylor of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. So the first question for Dr. Travis was, when you filmed the investigation, what were you most interested in finding out before you even began? Hello, everyone. Ah, well, as the invitation came to me to... Uh come in and, and be part of the investigation team and to lead the experiment uh, portion of the research. At first, I was very skeptical of the phenomena on the ranch being real or 
being some natural phenomena that maybe causes hallucinations or a natural phenomena that causes actual phenomena like lights in the sky, or maybe there was a classified defense project. And at no time did I think that I was going to find strange, unexplainable uh, physical phenomena, uh, at least from the start. That was my... uh, that was my philosophy or my thought going into it, but I did have an open mind that, hey, what if I find something that isn't explainable? Thank you for taking the time. Um, how did you approach surveillance for this show? Did you have cameras running 24-7 on hotspots like Bottle Hollow, like a hunter would, or was it just cameramen filming the team? So... Bottle Hollow isn't actually on the ranch. It's... Uh, at the, at, closer to Roosevelt or to Fort Duchesne. But uh, I understand your question. The the way we approached it is we had scientific instrumentation and sensors, as many as we could afford based on the budget we had, spread about the ranch that were collecting data continuously 24-7. And we also had security cameras placed in certain locations that tried to give us as much of a full view of the ranch as possible uh, that were running 24-7. Plus, we had game cameras placed in locations that we could move if we thought there was a need to move them. And we collected all this information, and we went through the, the video and data pretty much on a daily basis. Plus, there was also multiple cameramen and camera crews and camera sites uh, set up continuously throughout the investigation. The next question asked was, so your past experience, you've worked on some things that really do sound like they're out of science fiction, like quantum teleportation, space beam energy. These are possible in the relatives that we have nowadays. Could you say the same thing about some of the things that you came across at the ranch? So... That's, that's a really good question. And I'm also a, uh, a science fiction writer. You know, I've written like 23 best-selling science fiction novels. And so I have an interesting point of view or a more open-minded and an imaginative point of view of things that I see and phenomena that I see. And what I can tell you is the phenomena that were observed while I was there were beyond the physics of mankind. The next question asked was a follow-up on that previous question. So I guess to put it more plain, do you feel that there were truly mysterious phenomena that you were able to observe? And would you go so far as saying, if that is the case, that they're paranormal? By the way, this wasn't one of my questions. I've already asked one question earlier. Um, his answer, he's going to say he doesn't like the word paranormal, which I kind of chuckled at, but uh, yeah. I don't like the word paranormal. I don't like it at all because it suggests that something that if we see it in the universe and it exists within the universe, that it's not supposed to be in the universe. Uh, and what I saw was within our universe, so to me, I'd say it's normal. I would say it's something that we just don't understand and don't know what it is. Now, what I will tell you is that uh, absolutely, without a doubt, we have scientific instruments detect and measure 
multiple witnesses see multiple uh, cameras and and multiple occasions phenomena that cannot be explained by human technology it doesn't mean it can't be explained by a, a better or future understanding of physics but it does mean we can't explain it with human technology the next question was in your opinion, is there a difference between the UFO sightings and phenomena that are seen in Skinwalker Ranch and other cases, for example, Roswell, which seem to evolve a very clear physical craft, at least in our dimension, or even like the Tic Tac UFOs that we all know about? I particularly liked this question. Yeah, so I have no um, evidence, scientific or, or otherwise, that, uh, that there was actually... Uh, you know, some sort of crash other than what we know for sure, or at least what's been released to the public in Roswell. But I have analyzed Tic Tac videos uh, in several occasions and for several organizations and for several television shows. And what I can tell you is there is similar phenomena with the Tic Tac and the Go Fast and the Gimbal videos uh, from phenomena that some of the phenomena that were observed during my time out at the ranch. The next question was, I want to address something that I think very few people really know about, but it has to do with the roots of the AATIP program and its relationship with Skinwalker Ranch. There is a reasonable amount of facts surrounding the idea that when the AATIP program, before it was so named, was studying a broader spectrum of so-called paranormal activity, and that because of the involvement of Robert Bigelow and the involvement of Bigelow Aerospace and his ownership of the ranch, that some of these same types of research resources that were devoted to studying UFOs were also being devoted to studying phenomena such as what was happening at the ranch. So there's a reasonable paper trail that indicates the government has, has studied Skinwalker Ranch and that you know the results and that you know the results of that are obviously still classified. Do you know anything about that, and can you speak of the previous research that's been done at the ranch, and what happened to the results? So, what I can tell you about that is, uh, well, I can say a few things. First, as far as I can tell, from people I've spoken to, from what I've seen, and from what's left from what Bigelow had on the ranch, uh, he didn't spend 37 cents on research at the ranch. He probably pay, he paid the salary of some scientists who had some some equipment, but not very high tech and not a lot. the The biggest things that he had done there were really focusing on odd paranormal ideas by bringing in remote viewers and psychics and putting uh, cows and dogs in pens, hoping monsters would come eat them. Uh, so the ATIP program was based around unidentified aerial phenomena that could pose threats. And at the time, it was assumed that it was our near peers, or at least that's what was thought. And Bigelow then, I think he was part of the lobby and approach to Harry Reid and a couple other senators that uh, enabled the ATIP program with what funding they could get by with through uh, discretionary and congressional ads. 
which was only on the order of 20 to $30 million, as far as I can tell, which isn't a very large research effort over a 10-year period. It's only a few people a year. Now, as far as the paper trail is concerned, you can say at the same time Bigelow was being paid to study the UAP phenomena, he was uh, doing research at the ranch, and it's possible that the money overlapped on the salary of the individuals doing the research. Hey, if some guy says he sees a UFO at Skinwalker Ranch and was being paid to study UFOs, of course they're going to send him to Skinwalker Ranch. I don't think the paper trail is any more exciting or convincing than that. The next question was actually a two-part question. The first part is, why and how were you chosen for this particular project? And secondly, what are your thoughts of why this phenomenon happens in this concentrated area? Well, first of all, for the why and the how. Um, I don't know what you know about me, how much you read on my bio and that sort of thing, but uh, I have a Ph.D. and uh, a dual disciplinary degree in electrical engineering and physics called optical science and engineering. It was basically quantum physics. I have a, uh, another Ph.D. in aerospace engineering, uh, building and designing spacecraft and rockets. I have a master's degree in astronomy. I have a master's degree in physics, and I have a master's degree in mechanical and aerospace engineering, and I have a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. And since I was 17, I'm 51 now, I've published about two dozen refereed journal articles in, in well-respected peer-reviewed physics and optics and uh, military defense type uh, journals. And I'm, as far as I know, the only uh, person besides my co-author on the book, uh, taken the idea seriously and written a textbook uh, and a detailed examination on how we would defend the planet if we were actually invaded by aliens, different types of invasions, and what our military approach should and could be. And in fact, I'm the only one who teaches from that text and the topic to uh, the Air Force Officer Space School at Maxwell Air Force Base. And I do that pretty much yearly and have for a while. Uh, my background has been building spacecraft and rockets and high-energy laser weapons and things like that for uh, DOD for a long time. And I also am a science fiction writer. Written 20-something best-selling science fiction novels, mostly military hard science fiction. And with that background in mind, I was invited to start doing TV shows uh, in the early 2000s, which led to the next TV show and the next TV show and so on. And when History Channel and Prometheus were approached by the new billionaire owner of the ranch to do an investigation, they said, well, you need someone who's an experimentalist and who also is experienced with talking on TV, and we recommend this guy. And that's uh, how that happened. And what about why this phenomenon happens in the concentrated area? That is an excellent question, and we ask ourselves this all the time. Now, the first thing that I will say, um, that we, the theme, we talk about this all the time, in no way do we believe that our man-made farming fences along the border of the 500 acres is keeping out any super 
you know, physics, hyper, paranormal, whatever you guys want to call it, uh, phenomena within the borders of the ranch. In fact, people in the local, uh, in, in Fort Duchesne and Roosevelt and uh, 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 the, the other town that's nearby, I forget the name of it, uh, they are all the time reporting phenomena are occurring outside of the boundaries of the ranch. Um, now, that being said, if you look at the Uinta Basin on Google Earth, to me it looks like a, an ancient meteor impact crater. And in fact, it looks like it came from the east to the west at a low uh, inclination, and uh, that's what splattered the salt flats to the west of, of the Uinta Basin. And there's gilsonite all around the Uinta Basin, which typically is only found in a meteor impact crater, plus all the petroleum that is underneath the Uinta Basin. There are a lot of uh, geologists and physicists now beginning to think that impact craters cause uh, a phenomena that creates uh, petroleum. And if you look at this impact crater, the ranch is dead center, give or take, but it's pretty much dead center. And perhaps something to do with the bowl shape of the of the basin uh, or whatever caused the basin made this the centroid or the nexus for whatever the activity might be. The next question I asked was, I wanted to ask one thing that kind of struck me about some of the early episodes that I screened was kind of how religious Brandon was, the owner of the ranch, that is, and just to see that there's always this wonderful, you know, conversation of faith and science where those two mix and where they draw the line. So were you kind of interested or drawn into kind of how religious he was based off of his background, as well as how interested he was preserving the scientific kind of phenomena that's on the ranch? Hmm. I'm not exactly sure how to answer that question. Uh, you know, Brandon uh, is uh, has been his whole life uh, devoted to his his brother, as you can see, as we, I, don't, I think it made it into the final edit of episode one, that as the first time I flew into the ranch, his brother, who is the pilot, uh, the helicopter, uh, he prays, um, you know, before he comes onto the ranch. And uh, uh, Big Jim, uh, who also uh, is a, a friend, a long, long-time friend of Brandon. Every time before he comes onto the ranch, he he says a prayer. And I know that Brandon has told me in conversations that it's his goal in life to find out the answers to the big questions. And that was one of the reasons he was interested in the ranch because these are unknown phenomena that could be occurring. And he wonders, you know, is this, are they, is it God? Is it angels? Is it aliens? Is it demons? I mean, you know, what could be causing these strange phenomena? Or is it just something that is, you know, a, a serendipitous uh, piece of nature? And it, I think Brandon hopes that we may find some big answers from a religious standpoint it's not certainly from a more big picture standpoint, are we alone in this universe? And honestly, that that's, uh, drives me 
every day to understand and find the answers to the big questions like that. And and I, I don't see where religion and or science are a lot different in that regard, except from the science standpoint, we have to have much more rigorous uh, experiments and results and evidence. We can't take anything on faith. The next question is, I wanted to know how long did you have access to the ranch? How many other researchers were with you? And what was the process like for beginning to test some of the phenomena you saw there? Right. So right off the bat, uh, when we started, it was probably about March of last year. And we, I flew into uh, Salt Lake City and met with the team, which Brandon, of course, is the the owner of the ranch, the the major funding source, uh, you know, that sort of thing of the research that's been done there. And uh, you would have to say he's the leader, right? He is the uh, mastermind, if you will, of the project. In that, he is he's, he's the leader. And then uh, his team originally <clears throat> is Eric Bard, who is his principal investigator. Eric's a uh, uh, mechanical engineer and physicist. And he is totally uh, an observationalist. He likes to not bother anything and just hide and watch and see if something happens. And that's been his, their mode of operation for the last two years before I got there. And then they have uh, Dr. Jim Sagala, who is a physicist with a biophysics background and radiology. I think he's actually certified to do x-rays in hospitals. Uh, then you have uh, Tom Winterton, who is the ranch manager. He's the guy that if you need something fixed, he knows where the right tools are to go get and how to do it. And he's also, he takes care of the animals that uh, are on the ranch and fixes whatever needs to be fixing, uh, whatever needs to be fixed. And then uh, the head of security is uh, Brian Arnold. We call him Dragon. I think uh Brandon started calling him Dragon when they were in high school. He's known Dragon for a very long time. And uh, Dragon and, and Dra- Dragon and I spent a lot of time together because uh, a lot of times when the rest of the team would leave uh, from the ranch, Dragon and I would be there, you know, because I stayed on the ranch overnight, and so did Dragon. There are a couple other. Uh, there's a security guy, uh, Caleb. Uh, then uh, one of the other team investigators, our liaison to the local natives, is Jim Morse. And uh, that's pretty much the team when we had specialists or visitors come in occasionally. Now, I moved on to the ranch uh, about June and was there until late September, early October, where I literally... literally Lived in a camper trailer on the ranch at least five days a week. I'd fly home sometimes on the weekend to see my family because I'm a development. But uh, stayed there for three to four months and and was there in the night and day and was conducting experiments at any given time. And if something odd happened at any time, I was there. So then we could turn sensors on whatever. Uh, the phenomena might be that was occurring at the time. hope that answers all your questions. You were speaking earlier about uh, defending the world against UFOs or aliens, whatnot. What do you think disclosure or concrete proof of extraterrestrials visiting Earth would do to society? 
I honestly don't believe the Brookings report. I, I don't think that people are going to go nuts. Uh, what does uh, an invasion of something that's invisible do to society? Well, guess what? It makes us all go hide in our houses and be afraid to touch anybody. Uh, that's exactly what's happening right now is an alien invasion with this COVID-19. Uh, well, I'm not saying the virus is from outer space. What I'm sure. saying is it's alien to us, and we're having to defend it in the way that we figure out how to defend it. If uh, there were an alien invasion, we'd have to figure out what type of invasion it were and then how, how to what type it was and then go from there. It could be a bazillion possibilities on the type of uh, invasion. So what about disclosure? Um, I don't believe in big conspiracies. Uh, I, I, there's no way that uh, that humans are adept enough and trust each other enough to create conspiracies so large it would take hundreds and hundreds of people to maintain it. Now, there's possibility that things have been classified for national security reasons, and at such time when... It should be, it could be disclosed and not reveal a national security advantage. Then I could see that taking place. But what's it going to do to the general public? Most people in the general public believe they're aliens anyway. I don't think it's going to do anything except assure them. I'll tell you what we'll do to politics. It will improve the funding for programs to do research like the ATIP program or like advanced spacecraft technology, or like advanced space suit technology. Why all of our soldiers don't have Iron Man suits, I can't explain that. We should be, that should be one of the biggest uh, defense projects we have, but we, we don't spend any money on it. So that's the things that will change, is where we're spending our money based on what we think the threats are. That's all I think disclosure will do. The everyday person, I think they'll just say, yeah, I knew it all along. I told you so. And the next question was a three-part question. The first was, could you talk a little bit about the instrumentation that you used at the ranch, as well as the types of data that you were actually able to collect? And then finally, maybe share with us a couple of your conclusions after spending a couple of years there. Yeah, so first of all, I had spent a couple of years there. I've been there. I was there since March of last year. Uh, I hope to spend many years to come there. Uh, and I can, you know, I can go out there whenever, uh, as soon as we maybe spin up again for the next set of research, uh, then I'll head back out. But now, as far as instruments and data, well, not to give too much away from what we did on the show and what we measured and found on the show, but we had most, um, most of the uh, electromagnetic spectrum covered. We had... A spectrum analysis and uh, radio and microwave and gamma ray type receivers that you can imagine. And we were uh, continuously looking across the spectrum for phenomena to be occurring. And we measured uh, toxic chemicals and radiation and, and those types of things that you might think of. We took samples and things to test for chemical and biological toxins. Uh, and we looked for seismic anomalies and various other uh, optical phenomena, uh, as well as anthropological. We looked around for ancient sites to see if that might give us insight as well. As far as the data we collected, 
some of the data we collected was startling, uh, extremely anomalous, and in as far as I'm concerned, unexplainable. But other than that, you'll just have to wait and watch the show to see because uh, you know I'm not supposed to give it all away. And the conclusions I made from it, uh, from my experience out there, is I'm 80% certain it's not a natural phenomenon. Mother Nature can fool us. But I'm 99% certain that it's not a man-made phenomenon because the technology is beyond physics as we understand it yet. The next question was, when you worked with the Department of Defense, did you notice any interesting reactions from Washington regarding the ranch? So, uh, in full disclosure, um, from my career resume and my day job is with the Department of Defense. I build, uh, I am their principal investigator for uh, optical and quantum entanglement experiments for space applications. Um, and I, that is my day job, and I had to take a research sabbatical to go and spend the time on the ranch. And my bosses have been fully briefed on everything I did, just out of courtesy. And they were interested, intrigued, and uh, surprised. But um, other than that, there is no... Uh, Nobody's taken me into a secret room and, and, you know, showed me the Roswell spacecraft. The next question said, this kind of piggybacks on something earlier. So even though the Bigelow group didn't have hard evidence in their investigation, according to Harry Reid, Lou Elizondo, who ran the ATIP program, many insights, the Bigelow group, many of whom I've interviewed, or George Knapp in Vegas, who have been intimate with the whole Skinwalker Ranch investigation since the beginning. The Pentagon's interest in all of this ATIP wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Skinwalker. They said that the money, that $20 million, was first designated towards investigating the Skinwalker Ranch. So my question is, is it surprising to you that the Pentagon and a senator would be willing to put government funds towards investigating the Skinwalker Ranch, and even though Bigelow didn't get any hard evidence, do you feel that you all did? First of all, I don't believe that's an accurate history. Uh, the thing that stimulated the ATIP program... As far as I understand it, and from data and conversations I've had with, with Elizondo, with uh, uh, his predecessor boss, that there's no, you know, no program anymore that I know of. Um, what what I, way I understand it was close calls or interactions with Navy uh, fighter planes and such that led them to interest of of phenomena being near our military uh, operations. And Bigelow was given a contract to investigate that. And at the same time, he had bought the ranch and was investigating it because of his own, just like uh, the current owner, his own personal uh, belief system and desires to understand what's going on, his personal interests. And that the, the two simply overlapped, as far as I can tell. Uh, now, that's not to say that some of the same type of investigation and same people didn't, didn't happen or overlap there. And there might have been some of the funding used to, to 
do some of the research that was done at the ranch. But I'm telling you, there wasn't a lot of money uh, used at the ranch uh, because there's no equipment or facilities that were of of a high level on the ranch when we took when we went in and started our investigation. That that being said, it's you know, Bigelow has been tight lipped with his data that he got from the ranch and uh, we he hasn't really given shared much with us. It's always been a one way conversation. If you ever uh, have a conversation with his people, they all sign non disclosures. Uh, so we kind of started from the point of ground zero and with zero information other than the stories and started from there. The next question is, I'm curious, before your investigation began and you read some of the reports from the area from the ranch, what were you most skeptical about? I mean it because it includes obviously so much more than it's just simply stuff, let's say UFO sightings up in the sky, but also has a lot of different creatures. What were you most skeptical about? Yeah, the most skeptical thing uh, I had was the poltergeist-type stuff and the, the the portals opening up and monsters crawling out of them. Um, that kind of stuff, there was no precedent for in anything other than, like, supernatural folklore and mythology. So I was extremely skeptical that, I mean, it sounds like, you know, the story that the guy that can't ever tell the truth always tells around the campfire after a few beers. And and so I uh, wasn't sure what to think about it going in. And I went in with an open mind, assuming that these people believe they saw what they saw, so something caused them to think they saw what they saw. Whether it was real or not was the thing I was hoping to find out. The next question was another two-parter question. One, what was the percentage of time you investigated the actual Skinwalker Ridge, which seems to be a big draw in the first couple episodes, but it seems like there was so much more that went on there that was just like an onion peeling layers back. And secondly, did you ever have any chance to speak with the neighboring Indian tribes that may have, you know, whether that it's the Utes or the Navajo to talk about their perspectives of what contemporarily, what they continue, what they think continues to go on as mysterious? Uh, I didn't ask that question. This was another person's question. I would have said Native American, but there you go. There wasn't a day that went by that I didn't walk up on the ridge or do something on the ridge the entire time I was there. I I don't believe there was a single day I didn't go up there. In fact, um, so I would, on days that we were, when we would break for filming uh, at lunch, for example, the crew would break for lunch, but that's when I would take the time to work out. And I had a trail that I ran up the mesa and over the top. And so every day I was on the mesa in some form or fashion. And at night, every night it's so beautiful, especially when the moon came up, uh, Dragon and I would, uh, and Eric, in a lot of cases, Eric would spend the night there a lot too. We would stay outside and, and, and watch it because it's, it's amazing. It's, it's just beautiful. Um, now, as far as the locals and the natives, we had visitors from both tribes on several occasions come and talk with us, uh, go around and observe with us, and tell us their uh, metaphysics, religion, 
theology, whatever you would want to call it. They, they call it history. They don't call it religion. And tell us about what they believe or know, as they would put it, is happening there and what happened there in the past. So while I wouldn't say it was completely thorough yet because just time limits you to do everything, we are doing our best and have done our best to be thorough in talking to everybody we can talk to and not judging anybody on how crazy or wild any of their stories might seem. So earlier you said that 99% of it is not a man-made phenomenon. One of your reactions, I think you alluded to this earlier on your uh, Reddit Ask Me Anything, when you were discussing some of the allegations that Chris Barso, who used to work on the ranch about weapons testing, what would you say to the people who say, what do you think their motives are? It's kind of a confusing question. You'll get what he's saying in a second. So as a person who does weapons testing for his day job, I can tell you that would be so highly crazy illegal that it's nonsense. There would be people in jail. Now, when I first, my first day on the ranch, after we observed what I observed the first day on the ranch, we had a long discussion that if what we were observing was man-made, that someone was violating federal laws, and they would, we needed to alert the authorities if we could prove it was man-made. But then, from that point on, I realized what we were measuring was impossible even for mankind to make. And uh, at that point is when I dropped that line of discussion because I, I realized just flat out, mankind was not doing what we are doing. And it's probably a skeptic's coping mechanism, because I did it too, the first conclusion to a odd, strange thing is, oh, that's a classified government program. And, oh, they're doing human testing on us. Like, you know, there were programs that the CIA did back in the 60s and 70s that I don't think they're proud of. And where people were involved uh, in, in those experiments. And so you look at it nowadays, we realize now that you can't do that and you won't get away with it forever and somebody will go to jail. I just am thoroughly convinced that this is not some top secret weapons testing program on people or whatever. Number one, there's no site nearby that is doing that type of work. And number two, they would eventually get caught and go to jail. There is oversight committees on classified programs in Congress and in the Senate. Eventually, somebody would say, hey, wait a minute. Y'all can't do that. The next question is, the Ute tribe were relocated there by the government in 1880. And I'm not sure if the Navajo was indigenous or not at that time, but I do know there was a lot of conflict and there was some slavery between the two different tribes. The storytelling that they have of what happened there, do you believe that this is their way of telling you of similar things that are going on? You know, their stories about the skinwalker and all that. Or do you think that they were observing other things besides what goes on? I mean, you also mentioned that there was a phenomena. And can you be more specific about that? Again, another confusing question. Don't worry. It'll make sense in just a second. So I can tell you what... Uh... 
I'm not a uh, American Native historian by any means, and I'm not going to uh, even attempt to be that. But from the history that the the Ute and Navajo leaders told us while we were doing that type of investigation, while the Utes were relocated, they believed that their first man, as they as they called him, it's it's their sky god that travels on a rainbow and can travel vast distances across the the planet and around the the sky uh, on this rainbow. Uh, the story told us they could travel from one ocean to the other ocean in a day, and they have a ritual that they do each year at a certain time where they uh, uh, act that out. Anyway, the Utes believed that this sky god, this first man, whatever he was, gave the Ute tribes trials and tribulations that made them better and stronger, and the uh, government moving them was one of those trials and tribulations. And they say that they're, they, they don't believe there's a, uh, a, a demon cursed uh, skinwalker that is like the Navajos think of it. They think the, the, Ute, the Utes believe that the skinwalker is their first man that's protecting them. And, or, or something along those lines. Now, the Navajos, on the other hand, uh, saw it as a, uh, a curse uh, to keep them from engaging with each other in not nice fashion. Now, I don't talk about it too much because apparently there's still political friction between the two tribes to the day, but I will tell you that the Navajos uh, don't even like to look at the ranch. When they drive by, most of them have been taught since they were little to look away. Uh, other than that, I, I really... I was to answer your question other than to say, yeah, I believe their stories that they tell, they believe is their history. I have no reason to doubt them or tell them it's not their history. And it leads us down pathways of investigation. Following up on the last question, which was about hard evidence, actually, and Martin's second question, what sort of phenomena was observed and did you acquire any hard evidence that'll be in the show? So I'm not going to tell you what evidence was observed and what phenomena were observed because, um, you know, it it would be spoilers for the show. But what I will tell you is, yes, we watched the show and you see the evidence we acquired that is scientifically verifiable, you're going to be blown away. Because I was, I'm still amazed to this day and still have a hard time believing what I saw. You talked about uh, staying overnight and spending a lot of time on the ranch. How would you describe the ranch, and were you ever scared, and if so, of what? Scared of what is probably the right way to say that, because <laughs> uh, I turned to what it was I was scared of. And most things don't scare me. I grew up here in the South, uh, hunting and fishing and camping and whatever. I walked through the woods at night by myself and don't think anything about it. Uh, I knew of the natural uh, threats, mountain lions, uh, snakes. Uh, scorpions, you know, the, the various things that might could cause a problem from a natural perspective, and so I was prepared for that. But I will tell you that 
in the last six months of my life, I've had more terrifying nightmares than I've had in the previous 50 years of my life put together. And I can't really explain that, but there's something about either just the mental thing of being there or there's actually an exposure that causes it. I can't tell you why, but uh, the nightmares that I've had since then were either they're horrifying and wake up some night screaming. So <laughs> that that's uh, especially why I was on the register several times where I would wake up from horrid, horrible nightmares. And uh, I can't explain that, but that's what happened. The next question was, I was wondering along the same lines as the last caller about if you ever felt you were in danger at the ranch. You know, is this is this a place that you would recommend other people study students in the future? Or is this a safe place to be? So, I want to point out right now, and I would prefer if all of you would repeat this in your articles, that no one, well, I know everyone is interested they want to come out to the ranch and see what they think crazy stuff is going on there that the government's hiding. Well, that's not the case. Everything we're finding, we're putting open kimono in the show for the public to see. But there are dangerous phenomena that are occurring that we haven't identified as to how or why they're, they're occurring on the ranch. And we have scientific equipment set up in such a way that if you were to sneak on the ranch to take a look for yourself, number one, you could create false data and give lead us down a rabbit hole or damage very expensive equipment or, worst case, be exposed to a phenomena that could cause some sort of physical harm to yourself. And there's nothing we could do to help you in that regard. So nobody try and sneak onto the ranch. It would it is it's, it's extremely dangerous. Number one, we might not know what you're doing, or even that you're a person and could be perceived as a threat. There are armed guards on the ranch to protect the ranch from you know protect the cattle from predators, to protect us from if you know crazy people for some reason tried to come into the ranch and do harm or from whatever, if they're a harmful phenomena. I never felt in fear of my life while I was there, except in a time when I was, uh, I did come away with radiation poisoning and sickness at one point. I'm not gonna say more about it than that. I'm perfectly fine now. Um, but I will only take students out there officially through the channels with the owner knowing, with the team knowing, and the fact that we're doing everything as safely and with safety protocols in place as possible, because I don't want just random people being out there. I can tell you this, I will not allow my family uh, to come visit me on the ranch. Uh, they could come outside the gates and say hi if they want to, but I would not allow them on the premises. You mentioned that Brandon... The owner was a man of faith. In your research, did you look at the possibilities of some of this being either demonic activity, supernatural, or interdimensional? Or did these things not really get access? You were just collecting data and trying to look at it from a strict scientific background. I didn't ask this question, but I really, really liked this one. Well, there's nothing that we didn't uh, entertain. And uh, 
so what you get this season is uh, about four months worth of work, eight episodes in uh, in that four months. There were things that we did that may or may not make it through the edits or whatever. I don't know, but we discussed every one of the possibilities you just mentioned, and. I like to say what uh, Rabbi Ariel Zadok says from uh, the show Ancient Aliens. Uh, Ariel's a good friend of mine, and uh, he says that angels and demons are by definition extraterrestrial. They're not from this earth. They're an unknown entity, phenomena, from somewhere else. Whether they're from another dimension or another planet, it doesn't really make a difference they're still extraterrestrial. Or maybe you could add, make it some other crazy word, like ultra-terrestrial, I don't know. But, but the point is, if there's something that isn't man-made and isn't Mother Nature happening out there, then it is coming from an extraterrestrial source with that big, broad definition that I just mentioned. The next question was, given your background and your experience with the ranch now... Do you feel that the investigation of the ranch and or the phenomena you all observed and recorded warrants more investigation by either the government or academic institutions? The research needs to be taken seriously. It needs to be done by the people who have the permissions to be there safely and legally. And the experts can offer ideas and, and what have you, just like... Uh, there's a team that runs the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, for example, and they're the team who has permission to control the experiments on the spacecraft and see the data first, and then when the data is released and published and so on, anybody can then propose experiments and, and do analysis and so on on that data. That's the typical scientific uh, approach for big science. And and I, meaning, big science meaning it requires a lot of planning and expense and, and so on and effort. And, and that's the approach that we plan to follow. Uh, we're going to publish whatever uh, the owner allows us to publish and, and everything's going to be available to the public. And then people can do analysis on our uh, research because we're going to follow the scientific method. And that's the way we're going to do this. Did you see or witness anything on the ranch that you wanted to pursue or replicate, if you will, with your day job? Well, if the phenomena that we see turns out to be physics that we've yet to uncover as a species, then most certainly uh, I think uh, it might be of interest to have new physics uh, for my day job. That was the last question. I was glad I got the last question in there. I thought it was a decent question, if I did say so myself. So there you go. That's what a conference call is like with a lot of different reporters and the celebrity or the person of interest like this one. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I know it's a little bit of a different episode. It's definitely a little bit of a different episode, but I wanted you guys to be part of this kind of um, conference call interview, if you will, with Dr. Travis Taylor, because like I said... I think the show was really interesting. Like I said, I got I was lucky enough to watch the first four episodes. The first one aired last night. I'm not going to tell you anything more about the episodes other than I think you should watch it. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Um, they're doing it the right way. They're doing it the scientific way. 
I know that there was a little bit of like a kind of a disconnect between the questions and the answer. That's because there was a lot of pauses, a lot of, you know, you had to push buttons to speak and that kind of stuff in these kind of conference calls. I edited out all of that to try to make it as more of a, you know, as much of a cohesive interview as possible. But uh, I want to thank Dr. Travis Taylor for his time. I thought he was very generous with his time, very generous with his answers. It's always tough to answer questions like this when you're not allowed to spoil a show or you have a government contract and you're not allowed to talk about a lot of stuff. But I thought he did a really good job of giving us some information, teasing a lot of the information of what's coming up in this season of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. I'm not getting paid by History Channel or The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch to do this episode. I was just happy to be part of it. And like I said, I thought you guys would enjoy it. So I hope you guys did. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Zambig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Phonics will call